0: thing let's go wait what we're on episode four now this is three three okay all right all right i believe it's three yeah all right all right well three because we cut the first all right so three ladies and gentlemen welcome to the sunglasses indoor podcast with your host sergio and eric all right so today what are we going to discuss
1: well, Sergio, I think the uh, the topic is a lot more prevalent for something that you've just experienced. So I'll let you take it away.
0: Okay, all right. So I had the, um, I don't know how to put it, privilege, misfortune. Well, I had the opportunity to uh, hand out some care packages to the homeless about a few days ago, last Saturday. And it just kind of had me dwelling on, we'll say, world issues. And obviously, we're not going to solve homelessness. In one podcast that we could well we might as well start i mean
1: it's 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 worth the attempt
0: it's worth the attempt and <laughs> we're out of, you know i don't know fix cancer wealth inequality racism <laughs> <laughs> well was this um was this run through
1: your church or some other volunteer uh, volunteer organization
0: okay so that's a good question um but first let's just establish so we're kind of be focusing on first world versus third world problems and just kind of how that was brought to mind by I guess my recent experience. Um, but to answer was it run through the church or an organization? So <sighs> technically neither. Uh I had a friend of mine, Raph had he had the intention that while COVID was going on, he felt hypocritical to attend anything church related and not be giving to the community in any way. That's fair. So, right. So a while ago he started um just a little group chat with maybe I think there were four or five people in it and he's like all right let's just brainstorm some ideas maybe we can help some people out like what do you guys think they started brainstorming some stuff and then i i wasn't in it just out of spite of not being in another group chat that's that, seriously <laughs> okay i, wa- I wanted <laughs> to be in it but i i'm like i don't need another group chat if something's happening i'll hear about it will come through um but i had a friend of mine reach out to me and she's like oh like you know is this something you want to do you should do it I'm like yeah but you want to just tell me because I don't want to be part of group chat she's like no no you have to join I'm like okay all right I'll join so <laughs> I went in <laughs> I'm in the thing now right there's like five other people in it know all of them. I'm like all right so me being um I guess a little logistics driven I'm not a numbers guy but I like I like moving stuff like I don't like yeah. things you know staying in place so um all right yeah I see them, all right. What are your plans? Well, we want to do this. I'm like, okay, you want to give care packages? Make a list. Like, let, let's, let's stop talking about it. Let's make a list. So we made a list. We agreed we're all just gonna get it from Walmart. We um we Ben mode each other's stuff. So I think we had about 20 care packages. So it wasn't much, but it was like around five for each person. Cause I think four of okay. us. Yeah, I think no. Crap, I'm sorry I forget. It was either four or five for each person, and there were like six of us ended up going and um so it was church people but it wasn't sponsored we didn't have the official right no i know what you mean you know logo behind us yeah Uh, no
1: exactly so it was out of 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 your like it was out of your own goodwill rather than what the church was telling you to do
0: yeah yeah and i mean like the, the church has um we have ADRA. it's adventist disaster relief so i forget what they are and they do like you know they'll build wells in africa and like that type of stuff but
1: those are all pretty yeah. good things.
0: Right, but the, the little guy gets left out a lot when it comes to bigger organizations. Sure. So it, it's something we did, and yeah, man, it was rough. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. um, The stories you were telling me earlier, kind of um shocking, to say the least.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so we'll start off. I was telling you about our friend Shante, because we were... We were walking around. We know the train station. There's a lot of these people. So and this was, this was in Newark. You said this was in Newark, Newark Penn. So okay. right outside because, um,
1: it's a pretty, uh, pretty rough area.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really, really rough. And there's no, uh,
1: there's no easy way to put it. It's pretty, it's pretty dodgy.
0: It, it's, it sucks. We, we had, um, we had this lady, you know, the classic lady that goes at, up to you at every train station. Like, can you help me? I swear I'm not drugs on anything, but you could just give me $3. I need, I I live all the way in Philadelphia and I I left my children with the babysitter and I I lost my, you've heard that story.
1: Yeah, of course you can get to, you can get to Philadelphia easily with $3. Yeah,
0: but she's lying. (laughs) (laughs) Her eyes are all messed up, but I think she was on some type of amphetamine. Um, but that's the type of people you'll encounter in Newark, and it is Newark. So we started looking around. We had to be outside because once you're inside, you're technically soliciting, which can get you in trouble with the popo. So we're trying not oh. to do
1: that. Oh, so you're doing some clandestine volunteering.
0: Technically, right? So okay. you can keep it low-key. And we we went and we saw a few of them. It was literally under the bridge. And she's in her mattress. <laughs> so let's go hmm. talk to her. So we start talking her lady. This lady's name was Maria. And I forget how we hit it off, but she starts telling us that, you know, she, she says, she talks to her, her father being God. She talks to her father every day and that. How did you start
1: the conversation or did you just straight up go up to her and be like, what is going on? How did you get
0: here? So it's funny you say that. Cause there is almost a script when you do one of these things just to kind of come to people and tell them where you're coming from (laughs) you just go i'm so and so i'm coming from yada 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 i I have something for you it's that simple it's like how often does that do they
1: actually want to sit down and talk with you
0: so that's variable um when it comes down because i i've done situations where you know you're like i'd imagine
1: some of them are kind of like very reluctant to either talk about their stories or even talk to anyone at all
0: it's it's all a mixed bag. Cause I'll tell you when it comes to, we'll say homeless people are just people in need as opposed to an average job on the street. Cause I I've done both where you're straight up soliciting people like Jehovah's witness style. And then you're, I've also done the one where you're <laughs> giving to someone that needs stuff like yeah. physically, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, it's a mixed bag, man. It's a mixed bag. Like these people that we were encountered with, we had, like all of them were good there was no one reluctant they saw they probably know the drill too because you know they're a Newark pen so they're like oh hey like well we were talking to maria this other guy just came up. He's like can i get one of those things? He's like dude help yourself what's your you know, what's your name like, all right hey have a good one you know like it's not there's no um there's no like do you want my blood what do you want from me it's just yeah yeah they, they figure out who you are i guess pretty quickly um but it's it's so it's iffy because there's people like that like maria that want to talk and there's that guy that i said just came up to you, and he takes it and he doesn't want to talk to you but he's thankful and then he just leaves and that's fine too i mean we're not there you know we're you not can't there. you can't
1: force your help on anyone who doesn't want it
0: yeah yeah or not
1: help but like even just presence
0: no and and they don't want it then they don't want it there's exactly something- else that might want that and you can apply this to anything in life but
1: i was just about to say that that doesn't just go with helping homeless people
0: it, it goes it goes everywhere but yeah so like i said it'll be a mixed bag like they will <clears throat> you'll be surprised sometimes people just really need someone to talk to like just flat out they really no, just need someone to talk to and the fact that you were there there might not even be a spiritual inclination whatsoever the fact that you wanted that you wanted to talk to them that that'll lift them up man like sometimes people's faces will light up so like I said it's it's always mixed but with these people it was relatively good so while we were talking to Maria that guy came up and she starts telling us our like her story and her story was like I was telling you earlier was she got conned out of her own house by her family some years back so she had owned her own home at one point, but her family is allegedly and this is all what she said. She could have truth, she could have been lying. I don't know. But this is what she told me. She said family was essentially really toxic and that she would rather like not (laughs) be around them. She would rather be homeless than Mm -hmm. have to put up with their crap ever again.
1: So she's just voluntarily living on the street. As opposed as opposed to living in a toxic household it's that bad
0: it, it's that bad and i mean you know when you talk about support system that type of stuff like what, what i experienced this time um was basically all the stuff they told me in a sociology course at college about homelessness was basically textbook like everything was exactly what they told me and a lot of these people and this happened with shante too and she came to us while we were talking to maria so we didn't even hear maria's full story um, Both of these people just horrible, horrible back. How old old was
1: Maria? The one who got conned out of her house?
0: So Maria, we're going to put somewhere between... uh, I'll say 56 to 62.
1: Oh my God, okay.
0: Yeah. She's definitely older. And I don't know how many years she's been there. And then the other girl was 35 years old. Max. And her background is really tough too, because she had been molested and had her first child from being raped. And, um, as a kid, she was basically constantly flagged by Dyfus too. So that's- and what's,
1: what's for anyone who's listening who might not know what Dyfus is,
0: man, I don't even know what Dyfus is. They're the people <laughs> that take, <laughs> I mean, they're the people that take away your kids. If you know, it's like, I'll, I'll give you an, an example. Um, like here's one that happens in minority homes a lot because minorities still believe in corporal punishment, <laughs> and we we can get on that on another episode. But the parent will, you know, give a spanking, and the child go, "I'm okay, Difus," which children will do for anything sometimes. But essentially, Difus is for domestic type of stuff with children, from what I understand, and they're the people that. If you report and start a case, they will monitor. Like if you are watch Lilo and Stitch, they got the agent coming back to make this a good home.
1: I didn't think Lilo and Stitch could be brought into this one, but <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> That's
1: a good example.
0: People watch that movie. Fair enough. But that is Difus. so this was Shantae's growing up. So she had that and then so then she had some other kids and she was married at some point too. But then the guy that she was with was on you know one of those lists like sex offender lists okay so when they lost housing for whatever reason she could apply to a home with her children but she couldn't stay together with him because he wouldn't be able to get in that temporary you know government whatever home because he's on that list so then they had to split So now it's just her and her children at some point they get taken away after she did the whole, you know, what was it called? Like she had to do anger management. She had to, she had to basically take classes with these social workers to prove that she could provide a decent home. Um, And she did everything, but I guess it wasn't, wasn't enough. And a big part of it, she couldn't get enough money to meet all these fees and all she had to have like $300 a week or something. I forget what it was, but she couldn't make it. <clears throat> and so she lost her kids at one point. And then she was living with some cousin. And then I might be getting all these details wrong by the way, but it was just a lot. She told us so much. Um, she was living with her cousin and then she was helping her pay rent. But it turns out the cousin was already late on rent. So they got an eviction notice, even though she'd been paying rent. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So she got an eviction notice and then she got kicked out. And so now she's homeless and somewhere along this journey, now she's pregnant. This is what she said. She's telling me, she's saying that most of these guys, they don't even want to get out of here. She's like, they come in and out, they come in and out. Jeez. Yeah. So that, that was well, our- what's,
1: what's the What's the allure to being homeless versus not, I guess if you, are coming from a situation like, who was it? Maria, you said?
0: Uh, the lady that was like, she, was, she said she was homeless by choice.
1: Yeah, you kind of, when you're put into a situation like that, it's almost as if you don't even have a choice. This choice is stripped from you. And it's left to suffer in a toxic place where it's essentially better to just kind of fend for yourself on the street.
0: You, you got to wonder how truly horrible her family must be. Exactly. And, you know, everyone, no, no family is perfect. We know that, but there are definitely some families that excel oh. at being horrible, so
1: especially you don't even know if there's any sort of mental health issues that are involved
0: you know what they very well could be, which is a big part of the numbers they'll always get to give you is a lot of the homeless population does have aside from we'll say the substance dependency they tend to have issues that haven't been treated because, you know, they couldn't get access or I don't, I don't know. The point is that a lot of them have mental illnesses and this is a bit of a tangent, but something I always found ridiculous was, all right, Eric, show me a white girl that doesn't have anxiety issues. Show me one. (laughs) All right. All right. You see what I'm saying? All right. Show me some teenager that isn't medicated for ADHD or depression or something. So, this is where I'm torn apart. Where I remember, like me being Hispanic, working class, seeing a lot of kids from the wealthier town in my, because there were two towns in my high school. One was wealthier, the other was like middle to working, you know, or poor. We'll just call it what it is. And their worlds were drastically different. And a lot of them had medications. And a lot of them almost had the, I would say, the luxury to go in their feelings. (laughs) Like, I'll even call it that the luxury to go in their feelings, where a lot of, the kids i knew growing up you know your feelings like you're um i don't know it's just not a choice <laughs> like like there's 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 real crap going down and you don't have the time to get existential you might have that luck right. to get into college but you know like here's an example like there are
1: more you know, pressing you know, issues to attend to essentially
0: exactly so like you know you're not going to hear about some will say a Latino or black kid going like ultra emo, although it does happen, and their hair looks, <laughs> but you won't hear about that as much as say the kid acted out in some way. they they cope with it differently, and I guess what I'm trying to say is how many of these kids might need to be medicated or some treatment, but they just don't have the time, luxury, uh insurance, whatever it is, and then the that's other exactly one, it. Right. And then on the other hand, I'm looking at Big Pharma and how many of these kids they diagnosed that never de- needed a diagnosing. Maybe they just needed a good spanking.
1: Ooh, that's a hot take.
0: I said it. <laughs> that's I, said a it. I, I said it. I said it. That's
1: a flaming hot take. What okay. I mean, I I, I I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know whether if it's either because kids are essentially spoiled and they weren't disciplined enough. and kind of got everything handed to them or if it really is that we're just products of our environment right now and our environment is causing depression and anxiety at an alarmingly high rate amongst the youth
0: yeah i think i think back to um this thing i heard it's this guy on on youtube value patrick bat david he's just in, he's basically an insurance guy by day youtuber by night talks a lot about business different things he's got He's gotten everyone from like Jordan Peterson to Bobby Kennedy Jr. on his show. Like, okay, <laughs> the guy just, I know,
1: I know you listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson too, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, not
1: it kind of came out in that take there.
0: Yeah, yeah. not so much <laughs> nowadays. Not so much nowadays. Um, what I got from JP was Dostoevsky, man. Like, you start reading. Dostoevsky, it changes your mind. Right, I need to get that. on
1: that. Still, I need to get on that. Oh, I forgot to tell you to bring vonnegut as well.
0: Ah, uh, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it. I'll bring it next time. But um, D- D- with Dostoevsky, okay. So quick tangent. What, what Dostoevsky will do to you is is best said in some guy. Like, if you've ever gone to one of those historical monuments, you know they'll have some guy playing George Washington or Ben Franklin. Yeah. And, You know what I'm talking about? Those historical actors and they're at the place. So they they had one of these guys. It was a documentary called My Russia and they had a guy play um, Fyodor Dostoevsky, right? So they get to the guy and you know, always pensive, intellectual Dostoevsky, overlooking the bridge, thinking. They catch him there. And then he says that the guy doing the whole documentary says, he's like, you know, that speech you gave for um, Pushkin's memorial, Pushkin being another great uh, Russian author, he's like, was phenomenal. I, I really liked your words. And this is how Dostoevsky would answer. He goes, that is very good, but I don't think everyone should respect my words. And he's like, <laughs> well, what do you mean? Your words weren't good? Well, I believe my words were decent, but that doesn't mean everyone should respect them.
1: It sounds like Hemingway.
0: Right. right. He's very just poetic. And Hemingway took a lot from Dostoevsky too. Um, a lot of the modernist authors were reacting to the Russians, but what he's trying to say is he he gives the yes, but actually no, to just about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love his, you know, they ask him, are you a believer? And he takes a sigh he goes, today I am. So th- that's what I felt. The,
1: that's the greatest non-answer I've ever heard.
0: He, the, the guy is awesome. Do yourself a favor, read Crime and Punishment or Brothers Cameras off. I need
1: to get on this train it's been too long i just i i haven't read literature in such a long time
0: you know know.
1: it's like i i wanted like i have all the time in the world to sit down and read but just literally none of the motivation
0: could you listen to these posh a-holes talking about literature while people are dying on the streets (laughs) (laughs) um what are you trying to say i'm saying we have a good life is that's what i'm saying
1: are are you saying that our problems aren't as important as anyone
0: else's problems? I'm saying we have problems, but they might not be as life or death as others. This
1: is this is a pretty decent segue into the next conversation. I think
0: <laughs> it is. It is, but just to finish, close on some open gaps is that is the biggest thing I took away um, from Jordan Peterson because I find with any mentor, whether it's real literature, you're just watching his lectures, you take what you want, but you also need to think for yourself, and you can't. Like, I would have failed my place as a student if I'm just sitting sitting here and regurgitating everything I learned from someone like Jordan Peterson or like Dostoevsky. If I can't add my own nuance, I've failed. So I'll say I'll say that much. So I, I you know, I like the and There's
1: so much there's so much of academia. This is getting it to even more of a, a posh sort of just very privileged take on the world, but <laughs> yeah. Even- even in academia, they, they kind of strive to maintain a certain status quo where I know a lot of people that I've talked to like who have different kind of radical ideas are kind of looked down upon by the, by the people who are sort of supervising their work because it goes against everything that they've sort of tried to establish.
0: Uh, it, it's, it's horrible. Uh, you know, part of the reason, this is going to be a hot take, <laughs> part of the reason- oh, God. I didn't do grad school is because I knew my ideas would be hated. Oh, long
1: time. They hated him because he said the truth.
0: Yeah, right. Well, it is. It is what it is. Because one of the issues I too have
1: radical to, for college. Wow.
0: Too. All right. Look, <laughs> academia <laughs> wants to wants you to be.
1: No, this, uh, I understand. I'm giving you a like, hard time because it's it's really it's a sad reality.
0: It's a pain. By number radicalism. We want you to quote unquote rebel in this way we've set out for you. God forbid you challenge the status quo established by the post-structuralists in the 50s and 60s, and God forbid you say anything horrible against David Foster Wallace. <laughs> like they they want you. We want you to speak exclusively about hierarchies and gender roles. And I'll stop right there. There is a conversation for that place.
1: Are you saying that those topics are just a distraction?
0: I'm saying we can talk about that and other things as well. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Right, right. But one of the frustrating things I had, I remember, oh, this is, I'm ruining any future career I could have had. I remember I went...
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: say goodbye to your academic career. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Mine too. (laughs) I went to this awards. It was for my department. And there were the different ones. I was getting inducted to the Honor Society. And there were also kids that won, you know, different things for different essays or poems they've written. And some of them i recognized and they were classmates of mine. I was like, oh yeah, like so-and-so, brilliant. So-and-so, I'm like, I know they're a good writer. I know she's a good writer. Like, I know these are, like, they're the best. I know that. But there were other kids that when I would see them get up, I was like, you know, that's the third award we're giving about a paper about Shakespeare and hierarchies. Would it kill you to do something more original?
1: Originality is both kind of praised and looked down upon, depending on what you're being original
0: on. Uh, It was frustrating to see no one really had any fresh ideas and again i'm not saying well hierarchies aren't no dude there is a place for them well gender no like yes i've had some great discussions and i i've read
1: they're they're important discussions to
0: have but they shouldn't be the only discussions that are being had that's what i'm saying and that in no way diminishes whatever argument or whatever you know cause you feel is urgent to you
1: speaking um speaking on 50s and 60s kind of literary mavericks if mm-hmm. you will uh i was reading the other night um alan ginsburg okay and i don't know if you've read ginsburg but i read the poem or i listened to um him giving he was reciting his poem Howl. Howl, yeah and oh my god it blew me away it's it's just insane how something written you know about 60 years ago now at this point is still so prevalent and also at the same time just destroys that kind of glorified facade you had of America in its golden age of the fifties.
0: Well, it's the idea. So stuff like make America great again, right? One thing I've never liked about people saying,
1: well, the whole thing's a fantasy.
0: Right. In any case, it's the nowadays. I don't like that phrase. It's
1: the The back in my day kind of argument,
0: you know, because Mac back in my day, it was never real. Okay. We live in a corrupted selfless world i'm not saying there's not any hope and i'm not saying there aren't any good people i'm saying this is the over prevalent force we live in an imperfect world and sometimes some people win sometimes other people win but to claim that at any point things were way 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 better it, it's just not true i'm sorry it's not there's there's um the myth of progress like i remember and, and this is what I mean. Like sometimes things will get better in some ways and sometimes they'll get worse in one point.
1: And then you always hear like people like make America great again. Oh, back in which, which decade are you talking about? The 50s. They were the golden age of America. Oh, so.
0: <sighs> when Jim
1: Crow was still around.
0: Depending, again, depending who you were. Listen, if you were some, we'll say some white dude in the middle of Montana.
1: <laughs> I bet <laughs> you had a great- You had a pretty decent life.
0: had, I bet you had a fantastic time. And this is where, I, again, This is, this is my hot takes episode, Eric is, and you don't have to feel bad about it. If you were being a dick, then you should feel bad. But if you were just minding your own business, I, dude, I got nothing against you. It was just the time you were alive. Like, I I, think,
1: do you think people like in that position have a responsibility to take take into consideration their, their privilege? It is a privilege. Do you think they should, there's a responsibility to acknowledge that
0: privilege? I think we're all privileged in some way, shape, or form. I think some people weigh more than others. That's just a fact of life. And I think you do have a responsibility for, we'll we'll say your place in the strata. And this, I guess, ties back a little to what we were talking about earlier is, you know, I would feel horrible if I, I don't even make much, but I make enough to at least occasionally give something back. Okay. We'll put it that sure. way. And I would feel horrible if I go on 10, 20, 30, 40 years and I had this great life. And I at one point never even gave a dollar to a bum across the street, or let's bring it up a level, never even opened the door for someone at my office. So it's, it's one thing to go like, yeah, the system, you can do the system and we can take systemic approaches and you can do things to fight against the system. I'm with that. And if you go even, you know, post is destroy the system from the inside and yada, yada, yada. Okay. Good ideas. But it goes back more well, once to you be,
1: destroy the system. What do you replace the system with?
0: You always have to replace it with another system that's flawed in its own ways. That's just exactly my point that it can get at least a little better, at least within your lifetime. Because the hypocrisy is- But aren't
1: that, all movements doomed to fail anyway? Maybe not at first, but after a certain time. What movement has stuck around for, you know, what's, what's the longest movement we've had? Capitalism, if that's a movement?
0: I would say people being terrible. That's a movement. <laughs> that's a, okay. No, I mean, I mean ca- capitalism is fair, it's fairly new, isn't it? It's a pretty, I guess so. Yeah, Wealth of Nations. I don't know when it was published, but it's pretty pretty new. But I guess what I'm saying, all right. So say Joe Schmo works at the Soup Kitchen every Sunday. We'll give that Joe Schmo. But every other day of the week, he is miserable and hates everyone. What good is he doing then? That That's just my general approach of we're going to tackle privilege. I know as a male and as a minority, And as someone that was college educated, I know things. And I know I have a certain perspective. And I know it's my job to educate people where I can and try to make a difference where I can. And that's me acknowledging part of my privilege. I I could be upset that I don't I'm not in certain tax bracket, but I know I can do something with what I have.
1: I have a I have a question for you in that regard, Ben. Mm -hmm. So being being college educated and also being a minority and an immigrant, is there a certain level of Guilt, I guess, that comes along with that.
0: Well, that's a good question <laughs> when, you, when you say guilt. Um,
1: yeah. So you, you can acknowledge your privilege in that 100%. regard. But even, would you call it privilege even if you worked for it? Yeah. Because you were talking I- about before of being on the, remember you were talking about those friends you've had who are yeah. still like at home playing, playing Halo that you were playing like 10 years ago. Oh. You, guys, you guys started at the same starting line. And yet you are wherever you are, and they're still exactly where they've been.
0: So that that was actually a, a friend of mine was telling this. this. This was not me. But
1: oh, this wasn't you. Okay.
0: No, no. It it was really shocking. So buddy of mine, he's usually out of state and he'll come back to you know, hang out with family, friends, all that. And you know, it's one of those people. Well, you've been one of those people that tends to be out of state. So when you come back, it's <laughs> yeah. time to catch up with everyone. Out of state, out of out of the continent. Out of country. Right. So Me and him played Halo Reach when we were in high school, and now I'm kind of giving away my age, right? But we played Halo (laughs) Reach, and it's something we always look back at really fondly. We were never COD guys, but we loved, loved Halo, and it was a weekend, everyone had off, and we're like, yo, um, buy Halo. Uh, I can get a controller. I know you still have an Xbox. Uh, This person has off, this person out. We can have a four-man split screen. You want to do this? It's like, yeah, we'll do it, and now we hit a, a dilemma which is no one had a copy of Halo Reach anymore. Uh, Mine was digital. He sold his. And he's like, wait, my neighbors. (laughs) So he knocks on his neighbor's door, and it's the boys. The boys are all there hanging out. He's like, hey, man, you got a copy of Halo? He's like, yeah, bro. He pulled it out in like two minutes. Halo Reach is ready to go. But this is the thing where my friend was a little horrified is because he told me they were doing the exact same thing seven years ago. I mean, it's, it's
1: those extremes. I don't know if it's just like a small town syndrome or because it seems pretty universal. It's a, this is kind of a tangent, but it fits into that story. When I was in Spain, um, this was maybe seven years ago. I was with my grandfather who is from Spain and grew up there. And we go back to this old smoky bar that was in the town that my grandfather was raised in, but the town itself is now this gigantic hole in the ground? They turn into like this salt mine or something. Oh, wow. And so the town doesn't exist, but the the uh, the bar that served the town is still there. Wow. And we walk in, and three people that my grandfather knew from back in the day just be like, "Hey, Manolo, Manuel!" And I'm like, what is going on? Here? How did this this is how long has it been?
0: Same thing.
1: it's It's crazy.
0: Well, if you, if you really want to get the same thing, I I think we've been going to Quick Check for how many years now?
1: Yeah, my God, that's true.
0: Right, right. So uh, yeah,
1: that's true. We, I mean, it's it's a it's a kind of like a tradition now.
0: Like, what else are you supposed to do? It's like uh, you you
1: finish with work. work and then what? You just go home? No, you stop in Quick Check and you just, you know talk about your feelings in the parking
0: lot. <laughs> <laughs> Putting me on the spot, man. Putting me <laughs> on the spot. But how many right, times?
1: But, if it's not Quick Check, it's McDonald's. <laughs>
0: It's true. But going back, dialing in, when you were talking about guilt, it's it's a weird thing because when it comes to immigrants, everyone has a different backstory. And I think the, if you ever watched- um, Because Ob- success Ob- as an
1: immigrant is what the American dream is. Literally, like that is the American dream.
0: It's-, it's coming, you know, coming
1: to the country and finding success when it's not guaranteed to you.
0: Coming to the country, buying a house and establishing a family- Against all odds, that that is essentially it. As as long as you make more money than your parents, you're technically already like you're good.
1: Yeah, uh, but our generation, that's gonna be it's a different. That's a different topic. It's entirely.
0: No, we can get into Gen Z at some point, but. Dude, my parents yeah. are
1: my parents are boomers.
0: My mine are Gen Z They a- just
1: they just reached the boomer cusp. Oof. They are the tail end, like last year boomers. So
0: yikes the very end well we're very end millennials
1: that's um, true yeah when does when is millennial cut off
0: i think it cuts off i think 96 or 97 one of those damn
1: we really are we really are last years
0: last last years but, but that yeah. just,
1: i feel like when you are at that tail end it doesn't even count anymore because all of the all the people who actually like experience those generational issues and sort of generational i don't know character characteristics they're all like years older than us like millennials are now in, like in their 30s and mid-30s we're in our mid-20s right i, I feel like it, are, are we relate closer to what is a gen gen what what's the next generation Gen z, z.
0: z? we're you know whether you're gen z or not i think that comes down to how much you use your phone Dude, I you don't want to know, <laughs> right? I don't want to know.
1: The thing uh, is, my phone the phone tells you how much time you spend on it. I don't, and I don't, and it reminds you
0: of how much of a loser. I don't need to be reminded either. But <laughs> when you, when you were mentioning, um, you know, guilt and that kind of stuff, every so cloudy with a chance of meatballs. There's <laughs> a of all the things cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Gonna, that
1: one caught me off guard.
0: No, I'm telling you why. There's a scene. <laughs> where their helicopter plane pilot, I don't even remember anymore, but this Guatemalan guy flying it. He's just flying. He's having, you know, they're trying to get through a storm. And then some, someone gets hurt. And he's like, oh, I was a surgeon back in my country. They're like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, but it came to America to, you know, be a, be a pilot or a janitor. He's like, great decision, huh? <laughs> and, Damn. And, and, and that's what I'm trying to get at, because there, there are people that you know, they came from La Chacra, La Finca. They came in from the rural farmland. They grew up with cows. And there are people that they went to, they were from a city and they went to college. And for whatever reason or another, now they're all placed in the same thing. Um, so for me, it was always an odd thing because my my dad didn't finish college. I think he's like one or two years college educated. And my mom...
1: That's still something.
0: Right. And then my mom was like somewhere... The degrees are different, Peru. She was um, almost in, we'll say she was like kind of a nurse, but specializing in like midwife, OBGYN kind of stuff. She helped out with over a hundred births, I think, something like that. Okay. So, you know, my, at least my mom finished her thing and she, she was trying to get a job at the hospital and then we ended up coming here. So that never happened. But what I'm trying to get at is like, my, my parents were pretty educated and to me it wasn't like, oh, if you'll go to college is when you go to college and when you do this and yeah. when it's just something that's Yeah, it was never
1: it was never an if situation in my house either.
0: Yeah. It it just wasn't an if where I know other people it was, well, we'll see how much money you get. You might have to work yeah. for it. And it's funny enough. And I would know. you call that
1: a privilege? That it wasn't an if?
0: Um, well, I ended up having to like Basically, scrounge all up the money by myself, yeah, but the thing where so the privilege I think I had is I had my parents always supporting me, they were mm-hmm. always for it, they wanted me to do this, so the fact that we'll say they weren't able to provide everything financially right, because they just couldn't, and hell, most families just can't provide everything financially um, you know that that wasn't that wasn't a takeback I, I would say the real privilege is that. You know, they they sent me to a private school for, was it fourth through eighth grade? So I I had a good foundation and, you know, the presents I would get for Christmas for my aunts and uncles were books and documentaries. Like they, you know, they they made me a posh prick. (laughs) We'll we'll put it that
1: way. I guess you can, yeah, I guess you can put it that way. But you do kind of, as you've discovered, you have that sort of literary flair in your blood
0: yeah yeah from my uh grandfather yeah
1: so i don't know maybe you were destined to go down this track
0: hey i couldn't help it the i didn't choose the books the books so <laughs> <laughs> um but, but yeah the case. It, it wasn't like some kind of ever feeling bad because now this is where like the pull yourself up by the bootstraps part comes in is you y- look I i could have done what a lot of people do and just stay at community college for five years or get some girl pregnant along the way but i knew that wasn't my place and i knew i had to get something done so that was i would say the difference between me and some kids that didn't do as well i mean it just
1: comes down to the drive at the end of the day right
0: right it comes down to that and how uh, much drive and, and just what you want to do right and how you want to go about doing it and to that, I would answer a raise in the sun. There's some people that have all the drive and then they get screwed over. So that, that's the Dostoevsky influence.
1: What a reference.
0: It's like, yes, but actually no. So now that we've tackled, I think we're getting a good transition. So first we were talking about third world or we'll say legitimate poverty problems. Now we're going to talk about first world issues.
1: Well, before we before we kind of segue on to that, there is like a little story that I have when it comes to what you consider, I don't know, my, my definition of poverty, I think, changes with the location. Okay. Because I feel like there's poverty and then there's poverty. Mm. And until you see like that poverty level, I don't think it, it changes your entire perspective. And... The example i'm using is that in, in america at least there's certain levels of you can you can be poverty and still like expect to live essentially. like i'm not talking about like you can't have a livable wage and it, life is hard but you're not dying working minimum wage not everyone's dying working minimum wage that might be a hot take but
0: I mean, there are some um, people dying, but it's more so because of our healthcare system, which is. Right, right. We eat horrible, but that is another.
1: The point, the point I'm making is that when I was, I think, 12 years old, I was living in Puerto Rico at the time. And we took uh, a cruise to um, this island called St. Kitts. And we did kind of this like um, bus tour around the entire perimeter of the island and seeing all the villages. And the level of poverty even as a 12 year old kid was just shocking and it it was so shocking that i can still remember it so vividly right now like they were they weren't houses they were like aluminum foil shacks like i don't know how to describe like you know those
0: no i know i know what they look like they got them improved too i I know i know what you're talking about
1: and they had like hay like straw roofs and i it was just Really, just it was like I felt like I just woke up right there. I was like, "Wow, I am a very, very lucky person." Because there was these like these kids running up, running up to the to the bus, and like they were just so, somehow still so happy. Mm. Like these kids just had like these brightest smiles on their faces when they saw us, and they don't take anything they have for granted. No, and it really just puts so many things into perspective.
0: That, that's a, that's the a thing when you mention like your definition of poverty changing with every place I, I was actually just grabbing before I came to record this I was grabbing some books I'm getting rid of because we just moved to another apartment and one of them was this book behold the dreamers and it's it's one of those we'll say like modern almost YA books but what was startling about it had I read for college and it was one of the most accurate descriptions of um, what modern immigrant life is from like an African family's perspective, but even even me reading it as Latino, I'm like everything's spot on. Like th- this is someone that's lived it. They know. Yeah. And one of the things I was going through the pages before I gave it away was there's this quote. Um, it's the the mom in the household is some kind of maid to this wealthy upper class like Upper East Side, literally Upper East Side family, and she starts getting close to that, the mom and that family. And you know, they, they have some level of friendship. And one of the things she tells them, she's like, oh, you probably think I was born into this money. And she's like, no, no, ma'am. She's like, no, she's like, stop judging me. This, this, is, this is what you need to know. And I'm butchering it, but I'm paraphrasing. And she says, in America, being poor is something shameful, where in your country, everyone else is poor. So you don't feel it as bad. Hmm. How do you think, what do you think about that quote? I mean,
1: there's a level of judgment that comes along with being poor that mm-hmm. has an effect on the individual. But I think being poor regardless of the judgment is something that I, I i really, I don't even know. Like it doesn't take away from the horrors of being poor regardless of if everyone else is poor.
0: It doesn't, but I think it has to do with this kind of way the classes and almost, I'll call them cast now interact with each other. <laughs> I watched this interview or maybe it was a podcast. It was Mark Marin and one of those old like 1960s, 70s British rock stars. Right. And they started talking about class and Mark Marin goes, well, we don't really have that in America. And the British guy starts laughing at him. He's like, what do you mean you don't? He's like, well, we don't really have that. He's like, you do, except that what you people tell yourselves is that poor is a temporary condition and that one day I can be rich.
1: Exactly. Exactly. There's always that, that potential, even if it's a one in a trillion chance, that little shred of potential is what kind of justifies this contempt for poor for the uh, impoverished
0: it it makes me think of uh sinatra's new york if you can make it here (laughs) make it anywhere you know i mean
1: these oh not to get like super mega commie lib you know bleeding heart liberal uh, we can (laughs) you can call it whatever you want to call it all right, right um but these are all like conditions of a capitalist system. And there's no, you can't ignore that.
0: Uh, it's not, it's not perfect. I think this is this is what I feel about capitalism. I think the real enemy is materialism and consumerism. But we, we
1: base value on productivity mm-hmm. rather than, what, I don't know, what else can you base it on?
0: I don't know. I'm it's pretty sure you can awesome. base human value
1: on a lot of other things than just productivity and how much money you have.
0: Just just raw humanity, actually seeing people as equals, which is very challenging, by the way. Exactly, you know, and how not how as a theory.
1: statistic.
0: Yeah, not as a t- statistic. And the, the way I see it is capitalis- capitalism is a system that's worked well for a lot of people. And what we need to figure out is how to reduce all those people that get crushed under it that that's the most you know pragmatic way i can think of it because destroying it doesn't work
1: i mean the the and, thing is there really is no better system that works in practice
0: right now and when you say that that upsets people that doesn't mean you love capitalism that doesn't mean you worship the dollar bill right it's
1: there's when you have to choose the better of two evils you have to go with the one that's still working at least in some way yeah
0: yeah. And it's, it's, it's brutal, man. It's, it's a really brutal system that I know I've benefited off. I know you've benefited off, but again, so this is where we come back to almost first world versus third world and taking responsibility for any privilege you have. If you're not helping any people get up there with you where you are, then you're just as bad as the system.
1: That's true everyone does have their <clears throat> sort of individual responsibility
0: there. there is and one if point. you don't
1: take those responsibilities, it's kind of hypocritical to just sit back and say, Oh, it's a rigged system exactly. while well, you're not doing anything at all.
0: Exactly. So there's one thing it's I It's defeatist as well. It's absolutely defeatist. This, um, what, what do they call it? College advisor. We'll call that when, when I was in community college, my college advisor told me, what did he tell me? My problem was <laughs> he told me off. You're like, a dreamer. It was half an hour of <laughs> mental abuse that I needed to hear. <laughs> like, okay. He went off on me. And one of, the, one of the things that comes to mind is he told me I thought too small.
1: I'm like, too well, small.
0: I thought too small, man. I thought too small. He's like, you need to start thinking bigger. Stop. He's like, stop worrying about this. He's this like, you're just going off on me. And this is.
1: You see, I have, I've had experiences with college advi- advisors who've done the opposite. They try grounding me. They're like, you're getting a little too big for your britches there. Let's pump the brakes.
0: <laughs> they might say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I did, when I was
1: in high school, when I was in high school as well, my high school advisor. This is mainly – my college advisors weren't this bad. So I take that back. This was mainly from high school. Okay. But um, my advisor – well, to be fair, my grades weren't the best either. But I had, like, all these ambitions of getting into these, these schools that I had a, at least a shot of getting into. And yeah. he just shot it down, like, right in front of my face. He's like, yeah, you got you to gotta set your expectations a lot lower. I'm like, wow. Okay. Uh, you could have said that a little bit more <laughs> gentle. But uh, noted, I'll, I'll take that in, into consideration. And the uh, I still just because I'm really petty, mm-hmm. I um I put on my uh, when I was applying to colleges, I applied to go to Notre Dame, and I didn't get into it. Obviously,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> full in high school. But when I um, was applying after going to RV for a little bit and trying to go to a four year school, I was looking at Rutgers, and obviously I ended up going to UCD in Dublin. Mm-hmm. I had to check the rankings, like the, like the global university rankings, and I saw that UCD was ranked higher than Notre Dame, and I was like, eat my fucking dick. <laughs>
0: How long did you hold that grudge?
1: Like, I still hold it. I still hold it. It's <laughs> been like eight, y- seven years. Yikes.
0: Yeah, because... Put um,
1: smile on my face.
0: Well, what, what this guy at community college told me He's like, okay, look at your place. I'm like, what's my place? He's like, you are a minority with good grades. That's basically what he said. He's like, you mm. have a platform. Like, what is he talking? About? He's like, your platform. It's like people listen to you, and you know certain things. You're a man of color, so you can do all that, and you can share this with other people that maybe didn't have these privileges or you know their parents supporting. He's like. This is your responsibility. You need to get. Dude, you can
1: you can definitely get into like the motivational speaking thing to kids, like going into public schools and talking to the the students there.
0: Even something like that he's like, you need to be able to, basically shoot as high as you want to, so that way even if you fall down, you still fall in somewhere good. And that reach for
1: the stars. So if you fall, you land on a cloud.
0: <laughs> exactly, and then that way you can help other kids and yeah that that's just what he told me because i guess doing some introspection i i i didn't want to admit my grades were good and in a way that i i didn't i didn't want to get like you know full of myself or shoot too i hot. mean hey
1: if you worked your ass off for it you have every right to at least brag about it a little bit
0: well i i guess you try to yeah you know the worst i mean that's how i feel
1: it with my like my college grades like i i fucking i was a shit student in high school yeah and i was also a shit student like my first two years in college yeah and then sure. it wasn't until like i started that rv and then got to to dublin i was like all right i'm going to take this seriously and i yeah. did and i worked my ass off and hopefully things start paying off nothing's nothing's happened yet but
0: C- community college is the greatest worst place you can ever go to because it just I I,
1: I have such a love hate relationship with it cuz when I was there I was like all right I have you know something to work for I'm not going to be done here I'm going to go to a four year college and if I get good grades here it's going to help me get into that but at the same time I was like I was so I was so ready to get out I felt like I was kind of I was felt like I was going to be stuck there right it's an easy place to get stuck in as we've seen with people we've met there
0: but without getting too much into our personal lives, dialing back a little, and I do (laughs) want to end on this. So we covered, we'll say poverty. We covered a bit of privilege we talk about, but we haven't really gotten to first world issues. And I want to talk about this really briefly, if possible, is what role does the engagement in social media in the internet play on the mental health of people oh dude that's gotta the be why world. there's so
1: many like examples of anxiety and depression in the youth right now Well, not even just in the youth but just in general
0: because those are the issues the first world and the wealthy face is all mental
1: well yeah yeah i guess so to an extent yeah to a large degree.
0: So I mean, there are people, you know, they they're they're born with, you know, conditions, and that and that that's not to say, but you know, for the most part, when when you're well fed and you don't have to worry about. But getting, the mental
1: issues are still as debilitating, or even more so than, you know, what what, uh, financial
0: difficulties, or maybe even more so, to be honest, maybe more.
1: And like, it's not like one. They're mutually exclusive feelings that you can feel things separately. When when you have like those kind of something like depression or anxiety, and you are experiencing um, financial hardship, that only amplifies the feelings of everything else, and just creates this cyclone.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When you talk about that cyclone, I don't think anything bad ever happens isolated, ever like if your car breaks down yeah when one thing starts hap-
1: when one thing goes wrong everything else goes everything wrong everything
0: else goes wrong like your your car Murphy's law
1: starts kicking in
0: exactly like your car will break down you're in your you're like about to break up with your girlfriend your parents are angry at you and you also mess something up at work it all has to happen at the same time these events and then
1: someone and then someone records it and puts it online <laughs>
0: That's that's what you have to wor- worry about now, to be honest, but...
1: Have you seen those videos of the people at work and, like, they drop, like, an entire tray of, like, beers or, like, something in, like, the storeroom collapses on them?
0: Oh, no, that... <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> There's... The worst and best part about having a, uh, we'll say, like, a white-collar job, like, a cubicle job is that you see the same people in the same spot every day so god forbid you have a disagreement on something political. <laughs>
1: That's why I always keep my mouth shut really. If people start talking anything about politics with me, especially if it's something I don't agree with, I just smile and nod along. Like, it's not even worth it's not worth getting into. It's not worth making things awkward.
0: Dude, I'm I'm so strongly opinionated. It's like
1: I am too, but like I also I fear confrontation way more than any of my opinions matter to me.
0: I fear confrontation with my bosses. I do not care what my coworkers think. It takes, I, I really it, takes
1: it takes a whole lot for me. Like I can obviously sit down behind my computer and argue with someone online.
0: Like a wimp. But
1: Well, yeah, obviously. I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> but um, when it's in person and they can do something about it. Yeah. Or even just like, I don't know, creating this awkward vibe that you have to, live with at work of all places yeah, it's already terrible enough to wake up and go to work
0: see but when you're talking about that division between the physical and the digital world this this was one thing that was so bizarre you ever play um well no i haven't even played it but do you know those games that are like they're life simulators i think it was like called second life i don't remember what it was yeah,
1: i thought you could talk about like sims or something
0: not kind of, kind of, but it's you get to go in this virtual world, and in this world, I don't know, you get to be a furry or a Jedi, and <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It was a big game, sure, sure. yeah, but stuff like that, or, or even like I forget what they called it, but PlayStation Three had it where you'd go around. There was a movie theater and all these things. You can talk to other people on PlayStation, um, but it was one of just weird. So we at, at job we have at my job we have, I'm I'm trying to, I'm thinking about what my boss would say. If you heard me react, he's like, you're giving away confidential information. Like how do I keep this as vague as possible? So you'll have companies, (laughs) you'll have companies come in and they'll display their product, just these shows and, you know, this is something that we're going to try to sell later. So it's good that we that are selling it are acquainted with it. Um, So think like a convention type of thing. And usually these would be in person or hosted somewhere or they come to our location and they do the whole shebang everyone gets a free t-shirt or a free something right they give a free swag but now because of covid it's being hosted in this weird video game type of thing and i saw the screenshots from it and it's so uncanny really like really. black mirror
1: this is like an episode of black mirror don't they go into that where you, like, get lost in this virtual world and you can't distinguish between virtual reality and reality reality?
0: I got like it. looks like the movie Avatar. <laughs> it looks like those CD-ROM games they would have at school. <laughs> that's what, like, there's a layout. <laughs> um, it's like a one-shot JPEG almost. And this is where that is and that is where that is. And then you have to walk your character over there. And then now you'll be at this presentation or that presentation. Oh, that's, that's unsettling. But this is professional and you are tied to your company while you're at this virtual thing.
1: That's why can't they just do like a video meeting? Why, why go through so many extra steps that are just
0: eerie? Oh, dude, corporations are, are all about extra steps. <laughs> I guess. But there's like, you can't, again, trying to keep. Confidential information. Okay, like those taquitos (laughs) we had, you can't just open a taquito. No, okay, you need to write down how many taquitos you had, when you opened the bag, how the bag was disposed, how they were heated up, and whether or not they were all eaten. Okay, have everything documented. (laughs) Okay. And if you don't do it in a set order, it's going to cause problems for another department. So please try to do it this way. And you think it doesn't matter. But in two, three months from now, someone is going to come knocking at your door and ask you where the garbage went for that taquito. I'm seeing. I'm not. I wish I was making this up, but every little thing that you think is unimportant is being documented. And you, you made a mistake. It's going to get found out. So there's no point in lying about it. Like, I had, oh, I, I did this one big mistake. My first like, around I think it was my third week there, and. I had no choice but to tell them, Hey, I messed up. Like my email could not have been more just straightforward. I messed up. And their answer was so great. They're like, thank you for your honesty. Now what are we going to do with all this stuff you sent to us? And they sorted it out. But again, Oh, did you get any sort of reprimand? No. A little slap on the wrist. They were just happy. Again, I can't go into details, but they were just happy that a bunch of stuff. Um, they were just happy that essentially our customers' order got doubled because of my mistake. Okay. And they were hey, they bought all of it, so we're happy. And that, and right that even then, I'm on red line <laughs> on what I'm about to say. <laughs> I feel HR like writing the email. You're not supposed to disclose. I'm like okay, that, That's about as much as I can well, say. do don't, don't get
1: yourself don't get yourself fired on here.
0: I didn't say any states. I didn't say who. Made it, <laughs> I didn't say what we sold. No boundaries were crossed. Yeah, and I'm trying to. All right. Well,
1: we've thing. um we've reached the uh the hour mark here.
0: Okay. Okay. So, how you have any closing do, thoughts? Closing thoughts is I this is really great poem. I don't even you know I'm being I'm being extra right now. But when we're talking about first world versus third world, I'm gonna make a broad statement, very broad statement, is that I find that once you're no longer fighting against physical struggles so like finding where what to eat what to wear where to live whether it's going to be cold or hot the human mind creates struggles yeah unvalid things and that's how you keep having problems no matter how quote-unquote good your life is i don't think problems
1: uh, can go away with any amount of what you could call privilege or luxury Exactly. Problems are going to come from anything and everything that you have or
0: don't have. And because of that, this is why you are a sad boy and why I've been a sad boy. <laughs> and this is why we can appreciate this poem by uh, Pushkin. So, so I'll read it right now. It's called, I, I Loved You. So it goes, I loved you, yet the love maybe has not extinguished in my heart, but hence may not it trouble thee, I do not want to make you sad. I loved you hopelessly and mutely. Now with shyness, now with jealousy, being vexed. I loved you so sincerely, so fondly. Likewise, may someone love you next. Profound. The Russians, man. The Russians always know. So with that poem, any closing thoughts or should we just close it there?
1: Um, Well, I'm going to be left to chew on that for a while.
0: It's a good one. It's a very good one. And, and now these are first world problems that we get to go in our feelings and think about a poem.
1: Well, my a... question to to close off is does are we not allowed to be upset because someone's having a worse time? Is that is that a fair argument to make? It's like saying you're not allowed to be happy because someone else is happier than you are.
0: No, that's ridiculous. I think are they two different things? I think they are different things and I would say you're absolutely allowed to be upset because I can't deny you your reality. I can't deny you your feelings, what, what you're processing. I don't know what you're going through, but what I can say is just don't let it get the best of you.
1: I mean, everyone's fighting a battle in in some degree somewhere. If it's financially, if it's, emotionally or mentally
0: you're you're physically something
1: with an illness you know
0: exactly exactly so it doesn't mean you know just because someone has it worse you're not allowed to be upset it means take the stuff that you do have going for you and be grateful for it and once you get through it maybe see if you can help someone else because ultimately when you bring joy to others it makes you feel good too damn
1: well Thank you, everybody, for listening to the enlightening podcast, where we try to enlighten everyone who listens.
0: I think we solved homelessness with this. We
1: really did. Pack it up, boys.
0: All right, we solved one homelessness. World. Is no more. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in, guys.